Welcome to the Men Are The Prize podcast. This is a safe space for men just like you to be open, vulnerable, and emotional. Every week, a new case study steps out of his comfort zone to discuss masculinity. Using the prize mantra, we discuss important aspects of being a man. This is the who, what, where, when, and how of manhood. Men are the prize, the podcast. It is Harvey. I am your host. What's good? How are you? I hope the week is treating you well. I hope the holidays treated you even better. I hope you got a little rest, relaxation. I hope you're feeling better about you, about your situation, about your sanity, about today. I hope you're feeling good in general. I've done this podcast for a while and talked to a lot of men and I love it. And Occasionally, these podcasts I veer to the left or the right because I always like I always get new ideas about who to talk to and what to talk about. We know it's going to be men ninety nine percent of the time, but now I'm like I'm talking to men and I'm looking for unicorns. I'm looking for black men who don't fit in that typical box of what masculinity is supposed to be. I got one for you this week. This week. A friend of a really good friend of mine. I've known her for about 14 years and she, you know, she wears my chain. Whatever. Welcome, Chris Love Williams to the podcast. How are you today, sir? Thank you. I am doing amazing. I love the way you just intro that whole thing, brother. The vibes is beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's my vibe. That's me. The more I live with life and we'll talk and I'm sure that I'll end up yakking about my life and such. <laughs> but you have to have a certain level of, you know, happiness, exuberance. 100%. Life can be tough, but you got to I, I try my best to feel good as much as I can. But it's not about me just yet. We won't talk about you. I love a good intro. Let me look up and read this man's intro. Chris is a man of many talents. And you could say many lives in the fact that he has done so much in his short 34 years of life to, to date. A United States Air Force veteran serving four years with one combat tour to Afghanistan to now being an entrepreneur, influencer, speaker, culture coach in dentistry and beyond. One paragraph, but that man has done much and he's still, he's a youngin, 34. He got so much more to do. So much, <laughs> so much. more to do. We're so only much. at the beginning. All right. So before we get into this, I think a good way to start is that intro was nice. And if I had an opportunity to read your intro, well, you know, that's good. But let's say I pulled up on you on the street and I'm like, oh my God, that's Chris Love over there. Oh, who that brother? And I only had like 15 seconds. <laughs> if you have 15 seconds to be like, to tell me about you, how would you describe yourself to somebody? Mm. Uh, uh, man, that's 15 seconds. So I'm a father. I'm a, a, a warrior of love. And um, I'm just here to live a full life that I leave with no regrets and um, and I impact greatly the people who I, who I touch. That is, that is who I am in all aspects of 
anything that you see me doing, my my mindset and my my energy is to spread love and good energy and to just leave an impact. Excellent. I like that. That's a good start. So that's a little insight into you. Um, what I've always found, the reason I asked that question is if I cut the amount of time that you have to describe yourself, we put the most important stuff up front. Yeah. So I always feel like that's a good way to find out just what you think of you. And yeah, what, I like that. And what people should get from you. So that's why I asked that. And thank you for answering that question. Um, and let's get to it. If you've been a listener or watcher of this podcast, you know how I do. My favorite word is prize because we men are the prize. Yes. So I take four of the letters from that word and each word, each letter represents a characteristic that I think makes a good man. And we're going to start with P, the first letter in the word prize. P stands for purpose, reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. What is your purpose, sir? Yes, I love this. I love this question. I'm glad that we're leading with this because this is actually a recent um, revelation or, or discovery for myself. Um, because as you stated, I've done a lot in my short 34 years of life. Um, but all through it, I've been seeking purpose. I'm trying to figure out what is it that I'm here for, right? Because I've done I've done so many different things from the military to uh, being an artist and a, a creator and just just uh, my resume is ridiculous. By the time I leave this earth, my resume will be really crazy. Um, but I had to really spend some time with myself to figure that out. Like what is at the core of who I am and why I'm here on this earth, having this human experience. And what I found is that my purpose is love. A hundred percent. My purpose is love. My purpose is to, and is to help others find and do more of what they love in their life. And I found that because throughout my life, that's all I've been searching for. It's like, how can I do more of what I actually love? And when I was doing things that I didn't love, right, I was always seeking something else, right? It was always something else, something else. And I started getting into mentorship and mentoring guys and women <laughs> as well. Um, but ultimately, my whole mission is to help people do more of what they love. So um, and all of these things, brother, listen. None of this came like a, you know, like at a snap of a finger. And it was like not a, a, a note that was passed to me that told me this, but it was a culmination of um, me spending time with myself through uh, deep meditation and, you know, working through um, just being alone, right? It, it, being alone, you really can um, hear very clearly yourself, what is it? What is it that you're saying? How is the speech to yourself? What is whatever you believe in? If you believe in God or the universe, what is the universe saying to you? What is God saying to you? Um, and when you spend time alone and and with self, you you find those things. And that's what I found. And my purpose here is is love. Okay. To spread that. Okay. 100%. Did you have somebody like you growing up did you have a chris love in your life did i have someone like me in my life mm -hmm. no no i didn't 
I really didn't. Um, but you know what was what's funny about that is, you know, my I, so my dad, my dad was always around, um, but he wasn't always present. And, um, you know, but it wasn't necessarily like the sad story that, you know, most people tell when they're like, you know, my dad wasn't around and stuff like that. And my dad was always there um, as far as like, you know, a phone call away or something like that. But he wasn't present in the fact that he wasn't really teaching me lessons. He wasn't present as much physically as I would have liked him to have been. But it was never um, it was never to my detriment, actually, because what I ended up how I'm designed is I'm an observer and a learner. Right. So even when I don't have necessarily representation in one solid form, I use and reference other things, right? Like Will Smith has always been a big, you know, although I know a lot of people probably feel some type of way about him slapping Chris Rock, but um, Will Smith has always been a role model for me, right? And other men of power and stature, uh, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, um, very powerful black men. This is what I would do. I would just kind of take bits and pieces, um, parts of them that that I really admired, and just kind of construct that uh, that man who who I would model myself after. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I asked that as the reason I ask about who was around you in your life is through the conversations, the you know the times when I talk to men and I ask them what their purpose is. A lot of times our purpose was almost predestined. Mm. A lot of men become what they didn't have growing up. Mm, yes. A, a lot of men and examples, um, boy growing up in an abusive household, he becomes a, a foster care worker. He becomes a social worker. He mm. becomes an attorney so that he can help mothers get out of abusive relationships. He can help kids get out of foster homes. We become the thing we needed. 100%. So so sometimes, you know, so you talk about, and and obviously because I talked to so many men, the topic of fathers is big. Yeah. And you said things like, and I think we're similar in that my dad was, he was there, but he wasn't here. Mm -hmm. And if you, if, if you, the distinction, or he was, in the house, but he wasn't present, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of times where we kind of become that thing. I needed that father figure. I needed that person. That's what I'm going to be when I leave. Mm-hmm. How yes. has the, and I, I obviously, I don't know how to describe, you know, the relationship with your father or just growing up with him around. How has that affected the father that you are? Mm, so naturally, um, I use him as a reference point because as I've talked to him as a, as a man, I've learned more about myself and why I am the way that I am through conversation. Right. Um, And it was so interesting having conversations with him once I got older, um, because then he would say, you know, I ask him questions. He'll say things about his preferences and his um, pet peeves and stuff like that. And I'd be like, wow, dad, we're so similar. That's crazy. Right. And um, and the more I learned about him, uh, the more it helped me to have clarity in who I was and it helped me to shape things. And and truthfully, too, my mom kind of helped as well, because 
there were certain things like when I went to the military, um, uh, she told me when I came to her and told her that I was going to go, she said, you know, your dad was going to go, but he was, he was too afraid to go. Right. And, um, I made an op the opposite decision, right? I decided to go. Um, I grew up in Cali, uh, Southern California, San Bernardino, and there's a lot of, you know, gang affiliations out there, you know, Crips and Bloods is real heavy. And uh, and then, you know, wars against the, the Mexicans, you know, Hispanics and stuff, right? So when I was younger, I had the opportunity to be gang affiliated, right? But I made a, a different decision. So it was kind of, it was really cool to, to basically use the relationship and my knowledge of my father to make different decisions because what I felt like was that my dad was not a bad man. He just made bad decisions in his life. So when I looked at his, when I was able to look at his life and mine congruently, um, where I could just, you know, kind of see like, okay, we're being faced similar with similar situations and I have the genetic makeup of him, right? Um, I could be a young father. I could be gang affiliate. I could decide not to pursue things that make me a little scared, right? But could challenge me and make me better, right? So instead of making the choices that he made, I made the opposite decisions. Um, and I think that was that was really good for me. Okay. But yeah, and I and I look at even um, being a father. Uh, there was. When I look back at like to your point, when I look back at what I didn't have um, and I know now through self-awareness what I needed as a child, it helps me to show up for my kids the way I needed my father uh, or anyone for that matter to show up for me. Right. But the cool thing about it, and I say this um, all the time to people, is when you have kids, uh, they are little versions of you. Like you literally just rip a little piece of you off. And, and this little human is created right from you so they're going to have all of your they're going to have a lot of your um characteristics you know aside from your looks they're going to have a lot of things that they just come uh standard <laughs> standard equipped with right mm -hmm. and if you spend time learning yourself and developing yourself then you can really guide them but you always have to remember that they are still individuals and they are still and they still have their own experiences that they go through that shape them, but you guide them because they have your foundation, right? So. I feel you. When I talk to fathers, parents in general, and I've said this, so if you've listened or watched this podcast, you've heard me say it before, but it, it to me, it fits. Like good friends will tell you how you are. Your kids will show you. <laughs> Who you are. <laughs> I love that. Yes. 100%. It's the benefit of kids that they're yours. You can love them, but they bring a real genuine level of honesty mm -hmm. that you can't even be mad about. Yeah. Because kids, I mean, they're not there to hurt you, but they also don't have this barrier of, I don't want to hurt your feelings. If it, And when I watch my kids, how do your kids handle dilemma, problems, conflict? That's how you handle conflict. That's how you handle bad situations. Somebody's being rude to you. How do you respond? Your kid did that. That's what you did. And that's what they saw. Yeah. Like kids are very much there. 
we don't get a manual on how to raise kids, but <laughs> kids are a manual on how to be a better person because yeah. they show you you're good and they show you the things that you can improve. Yeah. So it's always interesting as a, that, I mean, I want to be a good person, but the better my kids are, the better I am. Cause that means I think I did a pretty good job, right? Yeah. 100%. That's, that's, that's how I always take it. Do you speak differently to your kids because of what your mission is about spreading love and helping people find it? Is there a different way that you daddy talk to your kids because of your mission with the public? Yes. hundred percent. So, um, and this, and, and truthfully, because, you know, it's critical to know your purpose is, is how you move every day through everything in your life. Right. It's not just your stage presence. Right. It's not just who you show up as, you know, when it's time to perform, when the lights are on and the cameras are on. So when I talk to my kids and this is so funny, um, they actually prefer the way I speak to them than their mom <laughs> because okay. I come from a place and which is very uncommon. Right. Like most of the time, you know, kids run to mom mm -hmm. to talk about things. And though we both have very good relationships uh, with the kids, I I come from a place where I well, we both do, but I definitely come from a place where I I uh, articulate and I give them a lot of insight to why you know, why we're having this discussion and, and, and really giving them a lesson. And I know like as a parent, right, we get, we get, um, the lecture kind of, <laughs> the lecture kind of, um, uh, look right where the kids are like, Oh, you're lecturing. Right. Mm -hmm. But I actually just had a, a conversation with my kids about that in the car. And I was like, do you guys think when I talk to you like this, that it's, it's like a lecture. And my son was like, yeah, sometimes, <laughs> but I'm like, that's okay. You can, you can have that, that mindset, but I'll tell you, once you become older, these things will be um, the lectures that you really appreciate. Right. But yeah, so to answer your question, hundred percent, my mission and my purpose does affect the way I speak to them because I'm shaping them. I'm preparing them for the world. I look at, I look at these, these early years, <clears throat> these are the practice years, you know, this is when they're practicing, they're, mm -hmm. they're dipping and dabbling and trying to figure out how to do life. We didn't, I didn't get a lot of that when I was young. You know what I'm saying? You just get whatever, you get the crumbs of whatever lands in your lap. You know what I'm saying? And you, hopefully you, you see some value in that and you take it and run with it. Um, no one really, no one was really sitting down with me and, and saying, I'm preparing you for life. Right. And these lessons are critical. This is a lesson that you will use in your adult life. Okay. So no, hundred percent. I speak to my kids from definitely from a place of love. Um, because they are literally, literally little versions of me, you know, like I, I, when I look at them, I see me and it kills me. It, it, it It's, it's crazy every time. And, and I try not to say it so much, but I've said it to them often where I'm like, I was doing the same thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I try not to get into that too much into that daddy mode of like saying that too much because then they, then psychologically they'll start thinking that I'm saying that they are me, mm, okay. but I want them to know that they're individuals okay. and they're different. Okay. So you said you're preparing them for life because, and I like the, I like the terminology that this is their practice years and they're getting there. Are you prepared for life now? 
think you're always I think you're always preparing because life is is so unpredictable. Um, you know what? I, I gained a certain level of of respect for the of, for life and and the fact that I'll never I can never truly say that I'm um, I'm who I am. And this is it for the rest of my life. Right. Like who I am right now going forward. This is me. Right. Because when I was 19, I thought I was me. I thought I was I thought I knew pretty much everything I needed to know. There was a couple other milestones. Like, yeah, you know, I, I still can't rent a car. You know what I'm saying? I still can't drink legally, you know. But as far as like knowing who I am, um, uh, I think I'm pretty secure in that. Then when I turned 25, it was very different. And then when I turned 30, I was it was very different. So now I have respect for the fact that um life is always teaching you. You're always growing, you're always changing. And you know, when I'm 35, I'm 34 now. When I'm 35, I I may have a completely different um version, a new version of me. You know, I may have some new vocabulary that I'm using. I may be in a different lane in my life. Um, when I turn 40, it might be another, a whole nother shift again, right? So I just have respect for the fact, um, and I say this often, I am forever a student of life and a teacher of my experiences, um, but I am I am not done yet until I'm no longer breathing, right? I'm not done growing and I'm not done changing. I hear that. I hear that. Let's move to the next letter in the word prize. That letter is R. The word is resilience. The capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness. So can you think of something that's happened in your life, some situation where you discovered you had resilience that you didn't know you had? Uh, yes. So first of all, if you see this um, logo here, I'm in dentistry. So, uh, but before that, right, what prepared me to be able to handle that was my military experience. Um, going from high school to uh, basic training, you know, they really, basic training for any branch of the military will shake your shit up, okay? And will break you down to nothing. And then <laughs> you will you will have to be, rebuilt redesigned you know what i'm saying you have to gain your confidence again um you have to gain uh your yourself again right so going through basic training and then straight into tech school which is when you learn about your job and then you know you get into your your base and then and then you go on a deployment right to a hot zone what we call a hot zone is like a, a place where there's active insurgency or you know uh terrorists and people who are against you right and you go to a place like that that type of resilience is different you know what i'm saying you really are in a place where it's like this could this could be a place that breaks me you know what i'm saying that takes me out the game um so being able to you know do that and and come out unscathed and actually see combat and and come back whole is is something that really gives you a different um a different perspective on life and a different perspective on what it means to be challenged mentally and physically um and then i went into hygiene school 
dental hygiene school, right? College. Um, this very competitive uh, program where that was the, the most difficult thing that I did in my life, 100%. Um, and I think it was mainly, and I speak about this on my YouTube channel and stuff and to, to, uh, to people when, you know, whenever I'm speaking, but it was the most difficult part of my life and thing that I've done because I was balancing school, my work life, my relationship, and then my social life. Um, and it was just very difficult. It was very difficult to balance all of those things um, when school is taking up so much of your bandwidth and you literally have nothing really to give, you know, to, to any thing that is, you know, outside of that. So it was very like you're kind of pouring from an empty cup a, a lot of the time. So um, the military and, and hygiene school definitely uh, are the staple parts of my resilience the resilience in my journey dental school was more difficult dental hygiene school was more difficult than your military run 100 percent, yes okay it's because like when you're i mean when you're going through military trainings and stuff right like you know there's an element of you need to succeed in this um but you're still being kind of guided through right but when you're when you're in your civilian civilian life you don't have you don't have all of you don't always have all the support that you need in every aspect right like i was having challenges with work you know like i'm trying to make sure that i'm making enough money but i'm also trying to keep this job while i'm not able to work full time but i have to provide as a husband and having kids at that time i needed to provide for my family while maintaining good grades and learning a whole new skill set about you know teeth and um instrumentation and you know things like that and then still trying to keep your sanity and maintain a social life when you're broke as fuck right so there's a lot that goes into it and truthfully a lot of people don't understand that fully unless you've been through it yourself in some facet if you've if you've had to still maintain you know your household while learning in in an environment where you don't have like you're you're literally learning from 7 30 in the morning until 5 30 which is the time that you would have to go to work and provide for your family mm -hmm. right but instead you're in class you're in school and instead of making money you're you're fighting tooth and nail to make a grade and then when you get off get out of school what are you where are you going to work or home to study, right? And then you have kids and you have a wife who needs your attention. And you know what I'm saying? So it's very difficult. The military to me, in retrospect, was easy in comparison because all I had to do was be able mind and able body and make it through each day, right? But I didn't, like I was being paid no matter what I was going through physically, every first and the 15th, my check was hidden and it was the same. If we had any medical issues or anything, I had benefits. We could go to any hospital, you know, to any doctor. And we had our kids. We didn't pay for anything. Right. But when you're when you're on the other side, you don't have all that same support. It's a little different if you don't have insurance and you're in school full time and you got a job that just, hey, the job is worried about the job. The job is not worried about you. Military 
the military, they they tell you when your appointments are. Mm-hmm. Harvey, does your, I mean, you might have, Carice might get on you, you know, you have a dental appointment, but do you have the pressure of, you know, the United States government and your, the contract you sign and your staff sergeants and your tech sergeants and your master sergeants, you like, I got to go to the dentist. I got to go to this doctor's appointment, right? Like they're, they make sure that you do, does anybody make you go to the gym, Harvey? No, it's your choice. In the military, you have designated time. We're doing PT at this time, from this time to this time, mandatory, right? Like, so it was a little easier because you don't have to think too much. Right. You don't have to juggle. You just be there. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't think many people would take it that way. I think we immediately assume just the way you described the military, that they just come in, they just break you in pieces and they put you back together and you're a whole new man and figured that would be harder than anything else. But, you know, when I hear you describing and and I not only hear you describe it, but being on the other side, because obviously, Carice, my wife, we've talked about it. I, we were together when she was going to hygiene mm-hmm. school. So I saw her come back. Just she hated it. So she's coming <laughs> home annoyed. And it's like hours of this. And it wasn't even that close. So it's a bit of a drive to go to the school to come back home. So yeah. driving there, she annoyed. She gets there. She's annoyed. She's driving home. She annoyed. She yeah. gets home. Like the whole, all of it. Yeah. And obviously it leads to something else because then you become a hygienist and you do well and all that stuff. Right. But. What I wanted to ask you is because right before we were talking, I was trying, I was looking into it. And unless these numbers have changed a little bit, maybe they have, but it 98% of hygienists are women. Yes. Yeah. So what was it about hygiene? That mm. was like, you know what? After I have gone into combat, I've done military. Now I want to do something even harder and I want to go to hygiene school. What's the mindset of that? How did you get there? Yeah, man. So first off, I didn't know that it was going to be as challenging as it was once I was in it. But um, I actually have a YouTube video on this where I I talk about the story um, of how I became a hygienist. Um, After I got out of the military, I, I knew I was like 23, 24 years old. And I knew that, okay, now I'm a civilian, okay? I am now starting my life as a civilian. And I knew that there were people that are far beyond my age, right? Like in their 30s and their 40s, that present time right now are not doing things that they love and are not in a place that they want to be, okay? This was literally my thought. And I said, okay, so I need to... I, I know that at some point in time, these 30 and 40 year olds were 23 and 24 years old and were making a decision about what direction they wanted to go in life if they weren't already on the path. Right. They were trying to figure it out. And most people go through a phase of not making decisions and committing to them. They just make a lot of decisions that are like, you know, I think I want to try this. Maybe I want to do this. Maybe I'm going to do that. And they never fully commit to anything that's going to substantially change their life. And put them in a better position. So for me, I I was very keen on what do I want my life to look like in the next five years? So I did the whole five-year plan. I took out a literal piece of paper and a pen, and I wrote out different careers that I was interested in. So I had things on there like artist, because I'm an artist, um, 
so animator, tattoo artist, um, actor. I've done some acting and modeling and stuff like that. Um, I was interested in being a dentist. I've always thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I put dental hygienist on my list as a stepping stone career to becoming a dentist. Because I was like, if I become a dental hygienist, that'll benefit me once I'm applying, you know, to dental school, because it'll be like, oh, you were already a hygienist, right? So I figured out to up my chances. Um, and so I really couldn't make a decision, Harvey. I was kind of stuck because it was like, this was a big decision. You know, I'm like, whatever I decide, and I already had, I had my mindset that whatever it was that I chose, I was going to see it through no matter what. Okay. Right. So I wrote the different careers, the different salaries and how long it would take for me to get to each one. Like what's the average time that it would take and what I would have to do. Right. Do how many, how many years of schooling doing this and then how many years of maybe externing or interning or whatever. Right. So I'm, I have all this stuff down on my paper and I couldn't make a decision. Dentist was looking really good, but I knew that it was going to be a lot of schooling. Um, so it was just like, I just really couldn't make a decision in that moment. So I did what most people do when they're just trying to kill some time in today's day and age. I just hopped on Facebook and started scrolling. <laughs> so as soon as I clicked the Facebook app on my phone, the first thing that popped up on the feed was this girl that I went to high school with, her dental hygiene license. That was literally the first thing that popped up. And I never see her post, Harvey. I, I've never really seen her pop up on my feed. Um, but when I saw that hygiene license, it was literally like a sign to me. It felt like this is the direction because that was on my list. And so at that moment, I said, all right, this was going to be. And I felt very confident and clear that this was the direction I was going to go. Um, so then I started that process. Okay. Sometimes just a sign, sometimes kismet, something happens to say, you know what, this is what you need to do. And I love good. that you said that word, brother. First of all, I love the word kismet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that word. I, I, I heard that I'm a word connoisseur. So I love when I hear interesting words that I've never heard before and I don't know what they mean. Right. Um, now, obviously, sometimes, you know, you can know what they mean through context. Right. Yeah. But I remember this lady said that word to me. She was like, oh, this was kismet. We were having a great conversation. She was like, this was such a kismet uh, conversation. This was such a kismet meeting. And um, and I was like, what? What is that? And I looked it up and, or actually I asked her and she was like, it's an Arabic word that means meant to be. And I was like, oh, my God, I love that word. So the fact that you just threw that word out there, I'll just haphazardly just threw it in there like it's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just rolls off the tongue, brother. That college degree comes in line every once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. All right. We're going to skip the I. We're going to come back to that. We're going to go to the next letter in the word prize. That letter is Z. The word is zeal. Zeal is enthusiastic devotion. Mm. So taking family out, which would be your kids, significant other, family, stuff like that, and the current work that you do with helping people, however, you know, as, whatever you do in dentistry, as a speaker and all things that you do, if we put those things aside for a moment, aside from those things, what are you enthusiastically devoted to right now? 
self-development. 100%. 100%. Like that is something that I've recognized will always be a part of my life. No matter what I'm doing, it'll always, I'll always be trying to be better. To learn myself more, learn how to be a better communicator, a better listener, um, understanding people, understanding this world that we're in, like just learning and developing myself in general is what I'll always have. Uh, it, it will always be um, the zealous part of what I do. 100%. I love the word zeal. It's my favorite word in the prize thing because I feel like it, it it carries weight for me because when I talk to men, zeal, something that we truly love, something that excites us, mm-hmm. for men, it's a rarity. There are very few things aside from the easy stuff. My kids, my kid yeah. scored his first goal in soccer. That excites yeah. me. Or I just got married, you know, things like that. But what gets you going? Yeah. What do you wake up in the morning to yeah. do? What do you love? And it's easy to say job and to say family, but do you have something for you? So I ask yeah. that because it's always interesting. And the fact that you're looking to improve yourself is something that excites you. Yes. It's a beautiful thing. Listen, and, and let me tell you, let me tell you kind of like the backstory of that. Um, as a young man, I was not how I am today. Right. Which naturally, I think most people would think like that's obvious. Right. Like I'm 34 years old. Obviously, when I was a teenager, I'm in this. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, such drastic changes from being very anxious and shy and quiet to being a person who is now a speaker and does things that are in, you know, essentially in, in public in the public eye, um, being an influencer and stuff like that, like none of that stuff was ever anything that would have been like if we were if we were to go back and look at like you know high school or something like that and then say you know most likely to be this most likely to right it me being a speaker being a coach would not be it right maybe maybe most like because I was kind of like a a flirt and a lot of girls you know that you know I was like very into girls and stuff like that so maybe most likely to have kids young or something like that you know what i'm saying but like for my career and like who i've developed to be as a man i think um that is from development right the confidence that i have now i never i didn't have that when i was young and i wish i did i literally envied people who had uh that unrelenting confidence right like aside from whatever their shortcomings may have been, you know, physically or, you know, whatever, um, they just had this confidence about them that I always admire and I wish that I had. And people always found it weird that I didn't have it. And to me, I never had it. And it was weird to me that they thought that I should just, I naturally came equipped with it. (laughs) So um, that, that is where the self-development, where my love for self-development is because, you know, if you're constantly, I'm constantly working through um, the things that I'm I'm naturally inclined to that cha- that make things more challenging for me. Like even when I still get up to speak, um, and me and Carice, Carice had first row seats to this. You know, like I was doing my first um, CE course, and I was so nervous. So even though I knew that I would do well most of the time, you know, I, I do well when I speak, but I was so nervous, almost like. 
you know, I was a rookie at it, you know, and I've never done it. Um, so that it, those are the things that I work through, you know, and I'm, and I'm always constantly looking to be better. Good. Are your kids confident? My daughter is, she, I would say she's more confident. And my youngest son, who's three, but you know, kids when they're young, they're, they don't have fear, you know what I'm saying, with certain right. things a lot of times. So I would say it kind of goes down to up for confidence. So my youngest son, who's three years old, is probably the most confident. And then my daughter, um, she's more she's more confident, but she's also very um, intellectually sound. And then my oldest son, I think he is definitely he definitely got the anxiety bug from me and his mom. So we have to work with him a, a little more, but he's stepping into his confidence. Now he's a teenager now. So he's starting to feel himself a little bit more. Um, so he's, he's definitely stepping into it, but I see a lot of me when I look at him. So I'm confident that he'll be confident. We just got to allow him his time to grow and develop. Okay. okay. Excuse me. The next letter in the, the word prize is E and the word is expectation. Mm. A strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. You just turned 34. Happy belated. Thank you. Um, in a little less than six years, you'll be 40. What will Chris Love Williams be doing when he's 40, how will you have impacted the world from now until you've hit 40? Mm, six years time. That's that, that'll come by fast. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can only hope, right. Um, I can only hope that I, I make it to that point. And as I make it, as I'm on this journey in those six years, I'm hoping and expecting that I will have. Oh, it's so difficult to say, Harvey. It's really difficult to say, man. Um, I'm hoping that I, I would at that point have reached international speaker status. Um, I will hope that I have multiple uh, successfully running businesses that don't require me to really be a part of them like day to day. You know, I, I love to check in and kind of tap the, you know, tap the handle there and make sure the water keeps flowing. Um, but uh, some, some real estate properties um, I hope to be kind of really on a, just a different level, you know, like, like you said before, I'm in the very beginning still, um, of, of my growth and development as a man and as an, as an influencer, as a speaker, as a coach, um, I'm still very early in the game and I'm happy with the trajectory right now. And as I see where I'll be, you know, I'm just, I'm just hoping and expecting to stay in line with the, the E I'm expecting that, um, everything will be amplified. Um, my, my mission will be amplified my reach will be amplified and my impact will be amplified tenfold why is that hard to say oh it's hard to say because i've experienced a lot of death 
in my life. A lot of people who have left uh, this life before we expected them to. And um, just my father being one of them, my younger sister, um, friends, you know, a lot of the death that we've seen uh, from from people who were in the public eye that we did not expect. We did not see they were not sick. There was nothing that. So I have a different um, perspective on time in that, you know, we as humans, we feel a lot of times like we have this abundance of time and like the, all your plans for the next 10 years are for sure going to be something that you get to live out. But I've, I've seen it over and over again. And I'm very, I'm a very huge proponent of uh, paying attention to things around you. Right. And not remaining ignorant in this, you know, like this ignorance is bliss kind of mind state where you're like, you know, Oh yeah. Like cancer, it, it exists out there, but it will never affect me. Right. Or um, the hardships that people go through, like, ah, that sucks for them. You know, like, ah, they, that can be you. It can 100% be you. Um, so I try to live, as I live in the future, I also try to very much remain in the present um, and understanding that this is the this is a present. This is a gift right now that I'm here and I'm having this talk with you uh, right now. And we we're talking about men being the prize. Um, you know what really had me... Uh, gave me a, a keen understanding for legacy too, which was, it was very interesting because I always loved legacy. Um, but what really made me understand how legacy works is I was watching this show called the last kingdom. You ever seen that? No. Okay. Last kingdom. It's kind of like a Vikings, um, uh, early England type. It was before England existed. Right. So there was a King, during that time, his name was King Alfred. And he had the concept of England as his legacy that he wanted to create. He wanted to unite all of these kingdoms under one reign, and they would call it England. And, um, you know, he died before that time happened. And his grandson actually ended up becoming the first king of England. And it, it really made me look at even like my father's passing. I remember me and my dad talking about creating more family traditions and creating a family heirloom or family heirlooms and, and a crest and, you know, really solidifying uh, the things that we that we're able to pass down. Because in black families, I think we've really lost that uh, in a lot of ways. We've lost the whole like leaving things behind and telling stories right sharing stories like it wasn't until I became a man that I learned so many things about my family and I'm like why weren't we told these stories as we were growing up why didn't we know these things right um it's because we've we've shifted our mindset from hearing stories within our family to hearing about other people right we hear about the celebrities who we follow we watch movies and you know we read books and stuff like that but like you don't even know the basis of your family and the origins of it and, you know, why your last name is what it is. When someone in your family decided that name, you know, created that name or or was given that name in, in you know, light of maybe slavery or something like that, right? Everybody just assumes that their name is from some slave master or something like that. But when I met my granddad, I learned because his last name was Connor. My last name was Williams. 
I learned a cool story that my last name is only Williams because he didn't even know that my grandmother was born with my dad. You know, he wasn't there when, and that's a, and that's the reason why my last name is Williams. Now his last name is Connor where we have Irish, um, Irish uh, ancestors, right. That came over and it was Connor's at, at first and they dropped the S off to sound more American. So it was Connor. Um, and it's just like those those little things, right? So all of this legacy is uh, is super important. And I kind of lost my train of thought. Well, what we were talking about, yeah, <laughs> I kind of no, like I went off on a trans a uh, uh, um, a tangent there. But are uh, you good? We were you were talking about time, and yeah. a while back I had a discussion with just another guy I was talking to, and we got into this, I, we have an 18, you know, I was Aries, 18 year old son. And, you know, you get into these conversations and we talk about time management. Mm -hmm. So you talk time management, it's, you know what, you got a job, you go to college, you got to be able to get all this stuff done. You need to accomplish things with the limited amount of time that you have. And you have to organize yourself to get all these things done. And that's the, when I think of time management, when I hear that term, that's what I associate it with. But talking to this man, he was like, he sees time management as something different. For him, the idea that I'm going to go to sleep and I don't know for sure that I'm about to wake up to. Mm -hmm. I need to manage the time that I have right now. Yes. I need to manage my opportunities, my time, anything, because I don't know if I'm going to be able to do what I want to, because I may not be here tomorrow. So I may be that king who wanted to start England, but who didn't know that maybe five, 10 years he would perish and not be able to start something. So maybe I want to start that business. And I'm like, you know what? I'll start in the new year. Well, guess what, brother? You may not be here in the new year. Right. You may not get to do the things that you want. So when I hear time management, I take it more as it's carpe diem. It's I need to accomplish what I want right now. Yes. And not wait for it. Time waits for no one, right? Yes. The present. That's what they say. The present is a gift. It's it. You're here now. You want to do that business? Now. There's our girl you want to talk to. Go talk to her now. Now. All of these things that you want to do now is the time. And there's a it requires courage. Mm -hmm. It requires drive. It requires vulnerability to just go and sometimes throw your heart on a plate and hope somebody doesn't stab it and yeah. you just go and do something and that's that's how we have to live life and if you yes. love life like the way you talk about it if you love life enough to risk your heart sometimes in the end you'll get what you want yeah sometimes yeah. you just gotta step you gotta step out there yeah. And it's scary. The the scariest things aren't any aren't won't be physically painful. Man. But they, they'll just mess with your heart, man. They'll yeah. mess with your and your mind. And your mess mind. With your mind. Exactly. Yeah. But if you never try, you'll never know. 100 percent That's the way it is. And in those We're, moments, you have to you have to create these totems for yourself. You have to create these things that bring you back to a space. Right. That you've constructed, you construct these totem, you create, you construct these moments where in your mind, when you have those fearful moments, when you're, you're gripped by fear, it literally got you right. You have to, you have to be able to work your way out of that. 
because you have you have all the control right because it's you doing it to you <laughs> so right. you can you can let the grip you like ah, it's choking me and then you have to realize it's me mm -hmm. i'm choking me mm -hmm. and let and let go and experience life mm -hmm. and experience it go at it say listen i love my life i love myself and i want to experience this life while i'm here in every way that you know that is physically possible for me so when you're afraid to when i have my moments when i'm afraid to step on stage and i'm not necessarily afraid like i just can't do it all right but i have my i have my anxiety or my anxiousness about it and i'm just a little nervous because i want to perform well at the very least i just tell myself i i want this experience right because what it's going to do is one i, I recognize it's not going to kill me i'm not going to die from it. I always go, that's the worst thing, like fear, things that scare you, the worst thing that can happen to you when you're fearful is that you can die. That's the number, that's the worst thing. Like you don't want to get on this roller coaster because you're afraid you might die, right? You, you don't want to do something that's scary because you're afraid it might kill you. When you recognize and you just do a, a quick account of what you're going to do, you say, me doing this is not going to kill me. So then that means I'll survive. That means that I'll learn something from this. It means that I'll be better, right? Like, so all the time, whenever you have those moments, I I, I coach myself all the time through uh, fearful moments. Um, anything that I'm going to try for the first time that's new, I just coach myself through it. Like, hey, you're going to get some experience. Hey, you might suck. You might suck at this. It's okay. You know, it's the ugly rough draft that allows you to get to the final draft. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a good point. I, I like that phrasing. You know, that early, that rough draft that leads to the successful completion. The yes. final thing. The struggle here versus what you hand in are always two different things. Yeah. And it's true. And it's very much the same thing as growing up in general. And it, the ugly 17 or 18 or 19-year-old guy that we are now versus the 34-year-old man that we present to the world now is a completely different person. Way different, right? My rough draft was rough. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. But that just means that you're so much smoother now, bro. Yeah. 100%. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. I prefer a man who's been through some shit. Yeah. Versus the man who had it easy because he's not going to be able to handle a little tough. A little, you know, sometimes that plan, you have to make a right turn because something don't go. Didn't go the way you wanted to. And not everybody can handle it. Right. And that's or that's an important part of living life is being able to handle when things don't go the way we want them to. When, when plans change, when situations change, when problems arise, do you step up or do you shrink down? Yeah. Right. Big part of being a man. The last letter in the word prize, it is I. And it doesn't represent a person. It represents the man I'm speaking to. So we take the shackles of being a significant other, influencer, speaker, Black man, best friend, employee, all these things that we carry with us. We put that all aside. When it is just you at your core, Nobody else. Who are you? Um, I I'm a spirit 
that is here to enjoy this human experience 100%. Um, I am, again, like I said earlier, like I, I am determined and and set on a, on a path to just reach the fullest potential that I can with the time that I'm given. Right. And, and leave, leave an impact on people that I experience. Like I think, um, my, the, the most beautiful thing and what I've always loved about this life is people, other people connecting with them, conversations, learning them, um, whether it's helping them through problems or just enjoying, uh, the small beauties of life, appreciating moments. Um, I think, that I am just a spirit that is here to literally enjoy this life and impact other spirits to recognize themselves um, as we're here in this life. You know, there's a lot of people that are out here and they're very unsure of self, right? They're not aware and they're, they're kind of just what people would consider sheep, right? They would consider sheep that are just moving with the herd and they don't know what, you know, why we're moving in this direction, why we're going this way. Why are we, why are we being herded by this shepherd or whatever? Right. But they're just going with it. And you have the outliers, the people who can see who are sitting at the top of the hill and they're like, oh, you don't even know your potential. You don't even know that there's so much more to the world and you can decide which direction you go. If you want to, continue going in that direction that you're being led, or if you want to go another, it, it's all your choice. And um, my goal in life and who I am is to connect with more of those people. Cause it, the, when you connect with those people who are open and they know inside, they know that they have more to them. They know that they're here to do more. They just don't know what it is yet. When you get a chance to connect with them, coach them, help them, talk to them, love on them, right? The, the moment of telling somebody that you see them, I see you, right? I see you, you're a beautiful spirit. I see you for who you truly are. Um, and I want to help you to live a life that you want to live. Uh, those moments are, are just beautiful and priceless. And, um, uh, yeah, that's I could go on and on about this because it's like such a, you know, such a, a, a thing that's at my core, you know, like it, it means a lot to me. Um, but that that's who I am. That is that is who I am. Truly, anybody who's ever spent um, time with me and, and we've been able to connect in that way um, would tell you that that is exactly who I am. Good. And this the sign of a good friend, mentor, coach is very much the desire of wanting to see people improve and succeed and propel themselves to higher heights and to do better than they did yesterday. And when yeah. you can, when you would, when you legitimately happy to see someone else's success, that's, you know, I think a lot of us like to see people happy, but very few people like to see people's journey to happiness. There's mm. a difference. And yeah. I think that's what it is for you. And I'd same for me. I like to see people. I don't like regression. I like progression. 
Yeah. I like to see you step. You were struggling and now you're here. And not only have you succeeded, but there's a glow. There's a difference to a person who is living yeah. as opposed to surviving. There's a real difference. So I feel you. I it's like there's a glow off of you when you're even talking about it. There's a difference way when you're speaking about it and i agree entirely i love to see success in people and i love people who have similar mindset let's make people better let's help them sometimes yeah. what you need is a tap in the right direction or yeah. a just a positive word in the ear yeah this it was just Man. it's only a matter of time right yeah harvey let me tell you this have you read the alchemist no i haven't actually oh my goodness bro okay so you got to read The Alchemist. Your listeners, read The Alchemist. I'm going to tell you guys this part in the, the story that I thought was so beautiful and so cool. So uh, the entire book is really good. And and interestingly, um, the main character is a shepherd. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> um, but the shepherd boy, he is sitting on a bench and he's reading a book. And there's an old man sitting on the bench as well. And um, the old man asks him, what are you reading? And he tells him the name of the book. The boy tells the old man the name of the book. And then the old man is like, oh, I'm familiar. Um, I've read that. I'm going to tell you that, you know, it doesn't end well. Right. Kind of spoils it a little bit for him. Um, and the boy is now intrigued by who this guy is and why is he talking to me? And he asks him who, who are you? And like, what is your name? Right. And he tells him, he's like, my name is King. I can't remember exactly what his name was. But he says, I'm King such and such. Mm -hmm. And he says, um, more importantly, I'll tell you what it is that I do. He says, I show up to people in the moment when they need me the most. And then he, he says, he goes on to explain because it's still kind of curious. Like, what does that mean? You show up to people when they, they need you the most. He said there was a man in some country who his mission was to find this very rare diamond. And he spent years, countless years searching for this diamond to no avail. He couldn't he didn't find anything. Right. Um, but he was very determined and he was going to give up. Um, because he'd been searching for a long time. And so the old man appeared as a stone that hit his foot. Before he took his last swing, before he was going to swing his pickaxe for the last time, he hit his foot, frustrated the man. The man swings and hits the ground where his foot is. And there is the diamond and ruby that he was that he's been searching for his whole life. So does that make sense? Like this guy shows up as whatever it is that you need to take that next step, one more step. Because you were just there, but you were gonna give up, right? And I and I love that job because I feel like that's us as coaches, right? Like when people are, you know, kind of at their wits end for what it is that they feel like they can accomplish on their own, and what they need is someone like us to be that whisper in their ear, to be that that stone um, that helps to ground them and help them keep pushing forward. Um, uh, I think that is, is so critical to like who we are as, as people, as we're guiding, we show up however you need. If, if I'm not the person, um, that you particularly need, um, for your journey in life, find someone, 
find a coach, someone who who can speak to you in the way that you need to be spoken to mm-hmm. and who can understand your story um, very comprehensively and, and can help guide you. Because that's how we achieve the next levels is together. You know, us as black people, you know, we we came from a place where a lot of times we grow up with the mindset of surviving right and not thriving and we don't know we we develop a lot of you know things that are not conducive to our growth which is like getting it out the mud on your own right don't trust nobody right keep your circle small keep it tight you can keep a small circle but you got to keep a big circle as well cuz networking is is critical in your growth through journey through your journey if you're not meeting new people and being challenged in conversations then there's no growth that's stimulated. So, um, yeah, Harvey, read The Alchemist ASAP, brother. If you don't, if you don't got that on your, uh, if you, you know, some, you probably got a list of other books that you might be reading currently. Yeah. yeah. So put but that I on will. your list. Mm-hmm. Get around to it. And we got to okay. talk about that one. No doubt. I'll definitely get into that. I'm, I, I'm a pretty fast read, so I'm going to get into that. And I'll, I'll we'll talk soon. Um, thank you for answering the questions in the prize mantra. I appreciate it. Um, few more questions for you and then we will, you know, wind down. So this podcast is a space for men to be comfortable in terms of communication and emotion. And the more I talk to men, the more I realize there's really two questions that I ask that kind of give me an idea of the, the men that I'm talking to. So the first question is this, what do you do to self-soothe? And what I mean is, what do you do for you when life is kicking you in the ass? When life is, when it's a struggle, when the stress, when you're holding on to the world and you've got all this stress on your shoulders, what do you do for you, not for anybody else, something that makes you feel better, that allows you to step away from the struggles of the world? What is your, what is the thing for you? So I'm a big vibe kind of person. So if you ever get a chance to come out here to Atlanta, um, my my apartment and my my house, I always set it up like a vibe, bro. Um, a place where it's it's not really a place that I need to escape from. It literally has everything that I need um, for me to decompress and kind of relax. So usually I'll, I'll play music. Um, I, I, I light up a blunt and and smoke maybe i have a little drink um i just really create i have a hookah um i'll just create a space for myself to decompress i really like getting into shows like that i'm into like tv shows and stuff like that so like i'll you know i just have to if i'm really stressed out about something um usually you you stay stressed out as long as you're consistently thinking about what your issues are and you want to solve them. Right. So I found solace in giving myself grace and patience, right? Grace and patience. And I actually did a, a, a TikTok and an Instagram reel on that um, in my journal. So I was journaling and just talking about that. Like, cause recently, you know, I've been building this new, um, this new business and stepping out and venturing in different ways. And it's, it kind of was putting some stress on your boy. And and I had to 
as I was journaling, I realized that what I need is to give myself grace and patience, give myself the ability to have time, right? Like allow time to work, work through my issues. I don't need to solve them right now in this present moment, right? Because we, we get really, you will, you will worry yourself to death trying to figure out the answer to a problem that you're having in the current moment. Cause you just need to have it. You need to know right now. But if you just give yourself grace and have patience, a lot of times the answers will come. And it's not that you just sit back and you just, <laughs> you just do nothing. Right. But you just allow life to continue on, allow, you know, move into different spaces. I like to go for walks, um, get outside get fresh air, enjoy nature. It's huge for me. Listen to running water. Um, not running water, like out the sink. I'm talking about like next to a river or something, you know, um, those things really, um, help me find clarity and, and decompress. Okay. Okay. The second question, and this came from just the same kind of conversations with men and I don't know, I don't want it to be long winded, but so I'll use me for example. Growing up, like I said, and we may be similar in that our dads were there, not really there, but they were there type of thing. But we grow up as black males growing up, we have stuff that we deal with, situations from adolescent to teen, teen boys, whatever. I wanted to play a sport, but I wasn't good enough to make it. So at least that was me. I'm sure I'm sure you were athletic. I wasn't. So, you know, I wanted to I wanted to play or I saw this girl that I like, but she wasn't feeling me. So you have these situations where we don't always have that vessel to talk to, to, you know, to release to. And a lot of us grow up with just not having somebody and we get used to that. And then we grow up and then we may have friends. I may have an acquaintance. I may have somebody I know, but not somebody who I really know to just tell stuff. So do you have a friend? Do you have a person right now where if you did some dumb shit, like stupid, that you could call and be like, yo, I don't even know what I was thinking. I did something really stupid and I don't know why I did it. Do you have that person who would be like, you know what, Chris? I don't know why you did that shit either. That was dumb as hell, but they would listen to you. They would be that safe space for you to get it all out. And then when that conversation was done, you were good. Do you have a person who is safe enough and you can't be who? So let's put family aside because family, they take, that kind of conversation different than a friend. Do you have that guy in your life who you could call right now? I did this. He would do what we guys do and be like, yeah, Chris, I was stupid. But then he would be supportive of you and you'd feel good about it when it was done. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I do. Yeah. My best friend, Terrence, uh, if we're talking about a guy, cause I have uh, a female friend who is like that as well. So I have a female and a guy friend who I could call I consider them both best friends and call about anything anything there's nothing that I would be afraid or hesitant to say I know that they would uh, listen and give me real like yeah you fucked up you know mm -hmm. but I understand <laughs> I understand where you you know what I'm saying why you did what right, you did right. right right um so yeah hundred percent I, and I and I I'm thankful that I that I have that um, 
because I know that a lot of people don't right. have that. And we need that. You need to have those people. You need to. And, and we're not talking about yes men. You know what I'm saying? People who just, anything, you know, you, you were telling me anything like, no, no, I, you were right. You you were good. You you did the right thing. No, you need somebody who can tell you uh, that you fucked up and you didn't do right. Mm-hmm. But it's okay because you're a human. You're a person. You you make decisions in your life and you find out, was that a good decision or was that a bad decision? It all really depends on the result. <laughs> agreed you're right you're right we all have acquaintances i know people but mm-hmm. do i know you enough to lay my burdens down in front of you yeah and that's and that's who i ask men if they have yeah do you have that person and the more i talk and i think it's getting better at the beginning guys were almost confused no i got my boy you know i you know we ball we do whatever but did you tell them about that thing that happened that very few people know about? It's like, no, then do you really have? Right. And it, it, and that's what I want men thinking about is we need, we, in, as black men in general, we need to kind of recreate the, the, the tribe mm-hmm. of men. We just need to be able to get together and talk because we men have specific issues. Black men, we have specific issues that we deal with. And we don't feel comfortable talking to anybody or very few people about it. But when you've got your boys, you've got your circle, your inner circle, your inner tribe, a lot of issues that we deal with that at times may feel overwhelming, we can deal with if we just talk about it. As yeah. We talk, yeah. As we talk, as we talk now, we lost, you know, Twitch, like weeks. This is a man who looked happy, happy yep. life, a TV show, wife, kids. He was dancing. He was the light of so many people's lives. Who knew that behind the scenes, that man was in a deep, deep struggle. Right. Struggle. He did. Right. He have. He had a wife and kids, and I'm sure that part of him was good. But he didn't have somebody to say, bro, what's going on? Yeah. Like, I see you smiling on the camera, but I don't see it behind it. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. You know, I've asked, I've seen these things happen before in life where people are walking around and they're, they're happy. They're putting up this, you know, I would say a facade, but, you know, yeah, we can call it a facade. We say they're putting up this facade. And you sometimes when you're very tapped in and you can feel energies and stuff, right, you can see and sometimes feel a, a person struggling. You can see the shift from the smile to the frown, right? And how quickly it goes away. Now we know emotions are fickle. So you can go from being happy to sad very instantly. You go from sad to happy very instantly, right? But being able to to take note of a person not truly um, just being happy, right? Is sometimes a challenge to call out to the person who doesn't want to admit yet that they are struggling. Right. They kind of like you can see it as clear as day mm-hmm. and say, hey, are you, are you good? Are you OK? You want to talk I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Why you why you ask that? Why? Yeah, no, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Things is like, hey, look, at we're we out here on vacation. Like, this is good. Right. But it's just something about it. Like, you know, everybody, anybody who's listening, I'm sure you've been in a situation where somebody was lying to you and you knew they were lying yep. and you're like damn you really lying right now you know what i'm saying like yep. you really you're uh-huh. really in that lie okay 
um all right well just checking on you you know just make sure you're good mm-hmm. um but there's there are a lot of men who are who feel alone we don't have the space um or the know-how to be vulnerable i made a post recently and i said men need to understand that vulnerability is a strength it's not a weakness mm-hmm. being vulnerable being able to speak about your emotions being open about how you actually feel is more of a strength and and trust me uh, i i have um shared and been open about things and stuff like that and women will message me and say i love your vulnerability i wish more men were like that so men, women literally see that as something like if you're trying to be more attractive to a woman, I'm not saying just be out here crying, you know, like Tyrese on here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shout out to Tyrese, man. He was going through some right. tough times, man. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not saying you got to be on social media bawling your eyes out, but just being open, you know, just saying like, hey, man, I, you know, I wish I had more, more guidance in my life or. I wish that, you know, I had more people to talk to or just whatever is on your heart. If you just speak about it, you know, people will be able to show up for you. Mm-hmm. Women, men, um, they'll be able to show up because your vulnerability gives them that ticket to do so. Right. But if you if you're appearing to be strong and you you got it together and, you know, um you you're that the alpha is alpha male <laughs> you know out there then you know don't be sad when nobody comes to to ask you how you're doing mm-hmm. or to check on your to check on your well-being and to make sure that your mental is good to make sure that you're financially okay to make sure that the pressures because as men we deal with a tremendous amount of pressure in this world yes, to be providers and protectors I mean, like we we got to be everything mm-hmm. optimally, right? Yep. We have to we have to have it together up here. We got to be physically sound in mm-hmm. all ways, mm-hmm. right? We have to be physically equipped in all ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and think about the men who are not, and and how they struggle through life, right? And where and where they don't feel like they have a lane to be open. So yeah, vulnerability is vulnerability is a strength, a hundred percent. Yes, sir. Yes, it's a thing that I mention as much as possible all the time. Opening up, it's hard to do. We were talking about just taking that step and doing something that can scare you, something that can be difficult. But once you take that most difficult step, life is so much better because you can just kind of let stuff go. Mm-hmm. And and especially for us men, that's not where we're supposed to be, but that's where we need to be going. So I appreciate that. Um, brother, this was a fantastic conversation. I'm so glad we got to talk. Where can people, you mentioned it, you've got a YouTube channel, but where can people find you social media wise, YouTube, tell me everything and it all be in episode notes, but where can people find you if they want? Okay, so first off, um, Instagram, it's just Chris Love, already, uh, just Chris Love. Okay. Um, so that's J U S T C H R I S L O V E. Um, on 
YouTube is Chris Love. On Facebook, I go by Chris Williams. Um, and on TikTok, it is also just Chris Love. So yeah, you guys can find me there. Um, connect with me. I am very open and, and willing to have conversation with anyone who, who feels like they want to converse, or if you just want to follow, just to know what you know what I'm up to and what's going on in my life. Um, I I would I welcome you and I'll follow you back. Awesome, excellent. I know you've got some potentially big things coming up in the new year and such. So when we get closer to those. If you have space to speak, I'll certainly talk with you again so we can promote the big moves that are being made. Yeah. Um, but, okay. One last thing, because I said at the beginning that I wanted to speak to unicorns and you happen to be one because of your journey into being a dental hygienist. If I'm a male and I want to be a dental hygienist, give me some words of advice, some words of wisdom. Why is this something that I want to get into? What did you get out of it that you think others would get out of it that they would appreciate? Oh, man. Yeah. So <clears throat> great question. So being in dental hygiene as a minority, as a like double minority, right? It's a female dominated career field. And uh, if you're a black man and you're considering this, you off top are a double minority. Um, dentistry is uh, uh, an industry filled with so many opportunities. Um, one, because there's not a lot of us in this space. Um, and then two, there's just a lot of innovation that happens here. Um, you come out of school being paid very well for the fact that you go to school for two and a half years. Um, and you can come out making 40 an hour and up. Um, there's an abundance of opportunities to work. Uh, actually, even more so now after COVID, a lot of people left the industry um, just in pursuit of, you know, different things. I think that's across the board in on all industries. I think a lot of people left their industries to pursue things that they were more passionate about or just to try something else in this next chapter of life. Um so as, as a man, if you want to come into dentistry, I would say definitely connect with me. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn about the industry. There's a lot happening and there's a lot of opportunities for you. If you just want to be in a place where you can be financially comfortable and then flexible as well. I know you've got to see that Harvey uh, with Carice uh, being a hygienist and then becoming a myofunctional therapist. Um, and having her own practice and things like that, like it's just it just affords you so many amazing opportunities to really grow and expand yourself in so many different ways. I think a lot of people look for careers like this where you can be considered a high level professional, um, but also be able to fuel other passions that you have in life and and it, and it not really detract from um what you do as a career and then what you're building as your passion, you know, your business or whatever. Right. So I think, um, if you're, if you're a male, if you're a male who's looking to get into, into dentistry specifically as a hygienist, um, I think that it is an awesome uh, opportunity for you to really grow and expand yourself. 
for sure. That was one of the things. I mean, look at everything that I've gotten to do is because of me making the decision to come into dentistry. Um, speaking on stages, being sponsored by big brands like Crest and Oral B, um, gaining uh, um, sponsorship um, by startup companies that are making huge impacts in dentistry. And uh, it's just been, it's been amazing. I've been able to go on tour, like on a tour bus. Like I was a freaking rock star, bro. Like, and I'm in dentistry. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm in dentistry. Right. I was on a tour bus traveling to different schools, handing out money. I went to my school that I went to and, and handed out money. Um, speaking at, at these schools and inspiring the students and then emceeing at events. Like we're throwing launch parties and renting or, or um, renting out the House of Blues in Chicago. And, you know, like, bro, I'm emceeing this event in, in the House of Blues. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, okay. fire stuff, bro. Mm -hmm. So um, dentistry definitely has a lot to offer. And it's, and it's really still in a lot of ways in its infancy. There's a, a lot of changes and shifts that are happening in this, in this industry. Um, and if you're looking to get into it, it now's a good time. And even in the next couple of years, it'll still be a good time. Excellent. Thank you so much for all that information. Like I said, his information will be in the episode notes. Follow him everywhere. Um, like I said, fantastic conversation. An absolute pleasure to speak with you. Um, I want to say thank you to you. Thank you to the listeners slash watchers of Man of the Prize, the podcast. I want to say thank you to Kristen McGriff. She's the voice you heard at the beginning. She does the smooth intro, and she's the last voice you can hear. She's the outro on your way out. Finally, I want to leave it with this. Um, we touched upon men that we've lost recently, and Twitch isn't specific what we were talking about. When this drops, this will be this should be January 7th when this episode comes out. And the holidays have passed and we've gone past Christmas, New Year's, all the hubbub and such. And I want you as a man or whomever's listening to take some time and appreciate life for what it is and for what you get to live and appreciate the people around you, the people who love, value, need you. There's a person who's waiting for you today whose life is gonna be better because you called because you texted, because you walked in their room. Make sure you never, ever forget how important you are. And you never forget that you are a man and you are the prize. And you are Thank the prize, baby. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and watching. I'll see you next week. Have a damn good week. Don't forget who you are. And don't let anybody tell you different. You know who you are. Be well. Hi, it's Harvey here, obviously your host for Men of the Prize. I hope you enjoyed watching or listening to that last episode. I just wanted to take a minute and tell you about something really exciting that's about to happen. Um, in about a month from when I'm recording this, January the 7th, I'm going to be a part of something fantastic. It is called Men Surviving the Thriving Virtual Conference. As you know, I am part of the NGBN.TV group. It is a space dedicated to issues for men 40, 50, and 60 years old, but also younger and older men too. 
So this conference is going to be amazing because one, like I mentioned, it's virtual, but what it's going to be is a space for your issues, your concerns, your struggles, everything that you deal with to be dealt with in a space just for you. This is a time for you to listen to all the great content providers besides myself who have gone through a lot of the issues that you have gone through. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to open up. We're going to be emotional. We're going to be vulnerable. And we're going to give you tools to help you to make 2023 the best year of your life. This space is for you, for nobody else. When was the last time there was something, anything created, any event created for you, for your mental health? Well, that's what this is, the virtual men's conference. Like I said, January 7th is when it gets started. The link is in the comments. I want you to take a look and see everything that you're going to get. It starts that day. It is, I believe, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. That's central time. You're going to get a nice keynote speak, and then you're going to get a bunch of us content creators talking. So you're going to get me, have a presentation. I'm going to talk to you. We have other people going to be talking to you. You can look through and find the person that resonates with you, and then you can listen in, you can learn, and you can feel fulfilled and helped. So I want you to take a look at the link below. It is $179 for this event, but the discount of $20 you get if you use my code, which is PRIZE10. No dots in between, just the word PRIZE, P-R-I-Z-E-10. And you can see everything that you get. And it's not just that day, not just that five hours. This goes past this. This goes for weeks. You get access to us and all of that content will be available for six months afterwards. So take a look at the link in the in the comments. Sign up. Use my code PRIZE10. You get a $20 discount. And I'll see you there with a lot of other great men who are going to learn, who are going to grow, who are going to be better. And we're going to have a fantastic 2023. And then we're going to become the prizes that we're meant to be. Hope to see you then. Thank you for listening to the Men Are The Prize podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow Harvey on the gram at Men of Zealous Nature or on Twitter at Men Zealous. Have a great week and never forget, you are a man and you are the prize.